You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law, and with me, my co-host, Paul Doroshenko. Hi, Kyla. Hi. Glad to be part of the Driving Law podcast again. I think we should rename this the Ram Ranch Resistance Podcast. I tweeted just the words <laughs> Ram Ranch last night when they started uh, when they started cracking down. And uh, so far, uh, like 120 likes on my one-word Ram Ranch tweet. You listened to some of that Twitter discussion the other day. Oh my goodness gracious. The Twitter spaces where people were pretending to be convoy organizers. And there was convoy organizers in there. There was actual convoy people. They started it off as a convoy discussion group. And then, of course, it was quickly infiltrated. And I looked at the people listening, and I was on there, and you were one of the people listening, and so was, like, Linda Steele and half of the people at CBC. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and most then there of, was people... Most of mainstream media, those... Those fucking liars. And We're listening to, the, <laughs> listening to the convoy discussion, and then the, the funniest thing was those people who were pretending to be convoy members, and they'd start talking to them, seeding doubt, and and, uh, and halfway through they'd go, Ram Raj! Uh, yeah. Fuck, it was funny. Anyway, yeah. the, uh, this anyway. is like, a, this is like could be an a, uh, uh, Ottawa... Uh, trucker lockdown special. This is. And you know, I like to say that when I started this podcast and throughout the time that we've been doing the podcast, people have asked and I've talked about the mission and why is Driving Law a weekly podcast? And I've always said Driving Law drives the law. The development of Canadian law has almost always in some way been connected to driving. Well, cars are such an important, vehicles driving is such an important aspect of our lives. It's amazing that we can, uh, that we're permitted to own these, you know, two tons of steel and rubber and glass and be permitted to use a bunch of fossil fuel and spew carbon dioxide into the air and, and barrel down highways at 120 kilometers an hour lawfully. Um, it always surprises me that this is where we are in the uh, humanity on the planet. But yeah, so much of it is uh, it's so important. And here we are, a uh, truck protest that I thought would be over last week, uh, continued on, and it looks like it's probably going to be wrapped up before tomorrow. So let's talk about the big developments in the last week. First of all, we had the Ambassador Bridge blockade. And we had the Coots blockade, of course. And that was already blockade. underway. There were injunction orders that were granted. There was the give, send, go donor list leak. Yep, and uh, oh. all those names. Oh, we should talk about that, because that's really interesting. Somebody asked me on Twitter, they said, is, is the give, send, go donor list, like is the person who leaked this in violation of intercepting private communications? Um, like essentially the wiretap provisions of the criminal code. Yeah. And I don't think so. Why? Because I don't think it's a communication. It's You're data. Right, it's data. But it's, it's not a, a communication. Bridge, but it's not a communication. Now, if they were intercepting the information as it was being transmitted, 
that would be intercepting private communications. But I think that this is instead mischief in relation to data. Maybe. Could and a be. whole bunch of but I don't know. Theft. But I don't know how they necessarily got it. I mean, it was a hack. Was it a hack? It was okay. a hack. All right. they, well, it's not like Give, Send, Go well, turned some, it over. I thought it could have been some of your work there, sent it out. That would not be a hack, but it would still be, you know, sharing it. That's still wrongly, mischief. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. So, mischief in relation to data, a very rare charge that we see, essentially, the, the crime of hacking. Yeah. The only <laughs> by the loosest thread connected to driving law. Well, these are all donors, many of whom are, are truckers or related to truckers or support the truckers. Well, uh, the data's out there. It's all over the internet now. Yeah, uh, somebody... Is, um, and, and I've asked... And people are sending screenshots of it. And, well, I asked for a copy of it. Um, and people got, like, people sent me. I got probably got 600 copies of it in response to that. Well, the um, links are all over the yeah, all it's, over Twitter. It's available as like a Google Doc now, so anybody who wants it can have it. But what I thought was fascinating was the, the guy on Twitter who said that he had filed a report about me with the Law Society on the well, basis of my asking for it. I suppose he can file a report. Well, anybody, anybody can do can anything. Anybody can file a report whether or not you did anything wrong, it seems. I mean, I think the data in there, like, the information is now effectively public. Like, there's no, it's, there's no walking it back. There's now a court order naming all of those people, and all of those assets have been frozen. So the information is now public, well, that, like yeah, it or not. And it was filed in Ottawa before the court order was yep. provided. Um, they are part of that list of people who are... They're named uh, are, are, in a Mareva injunction. And <laughs> the fascinating thing is this lawsuit is, uh, is um, going after the people who donated to the, to the occupation. So any of those people on there are targets of the lawsuit now, um, which yep. is fascinating because I don't know how you deal with it because it's joint and several liability, right? They can go after any of those people. Any of those people have a house. They're talking like two hundred thirty million dollars well, now. There's a lawsuit, now. like a, a lawsuit filed the against the donors specifically, on the basis of them funding and thus essentially supporting or or facilitating the activity that led to damage in Ottawa, including the damage to people like like the Rylands and Fletcher type damage. For sure, I mean they they the they were they were uh, financing something that was. Uh, Acknowledged at that point um, as being unlawful, mm -hmm. and again, uh, again, yeah, Rylands and Fletcher were sort of a nuisance thing, um, and the amount of damage is significant, and they can go after the people who financed it, and so those people who financed it uh, are on that list. But did they finance it? They attempted to finance it. Well, they did finance it. The donor list got leaked, but the Gibson Go donations were not returned. Right? They've oh, okay. been frozen. But Gibson Go still has that money. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Well, so, that's a fascinating thing. It's but, interesting to... But uh, I want to go yeah, back no. to the, the, the law society angle of this. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Because, you know, we're to, this is, there's so much law here. There's Mareva injunctions. There's nuisance torts. There's <laughs> mischief in relation to data. And there's professional, like, professional regulatory law. And, and complaints are made all the time. Sure. Nuisance complaints and... And, and legitimate complaints and some complaints that you just got to live with the with the rules even if you don't agree with them yes um, 
so the uh the professional regulatory thing like there is no problem as far as i can tell from a professional standpoint for a person who is like for a person who is a professional asking for something that they need or may want to use in the course of discharging their professional duties well i, I think it's different if you share it yeah um, you know, sure. if you if you get it in the course of your professional duties, I I got it, and I have good legitimate reasons for getting it. If you are a police officer and your name is on that list, yeah, well, you better not have a trial coming up with me because it will come up. Well, I've also <laughs> I'll been tell the, you that now. <laughs> I've been the victim of harassment by anonymous people on Twitter, and yep. I wanted to determine whether or not my complaint should be forwarded, whether or not this is something I should be going to the police about. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I found at least, uh, well, I, I was able to identify, um, one or more people who I think likely were the people who have harassed me. And I think it to the level of criminal harassment and you too, mm-hmm. um, so. on the basis of that list, a lot of people asked me for the list. I wasn't going to send the list out because it's out there. Why would I send it? Um, you can yeah. now find it in a court order. You can find it in a court order. Exactly. Check the court records. <laughs> it is not unlawful for me to say that. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think we should talk about, and you had just mentioned this with respect to the, the orders, is what's going to happen to all these people? Because it's not just that the bank accounts or the money that was donated has been frozen. A lot of individual donors organizers and participants are having their bank accounts frozen. Well, there was a guy who donated something like $76,000 to them. He's got a company, I think it was in New Brunswick or Nova Scotia, um, and uh, donated it, I think, from his company account. It doesn't really matter where he donated it from. They can He owns the company. They can go after the company account, but um, as far as freezing assets under the Emergencies Act. But the bigger concern for him should be the lawsuit, because... That lawsuit can collect from wherever they're capable of collecting from to get to the number of what ultimately the damages are assessed mm-hmm. at. And if, I mean, this is a, we're talking about a class action lawsuit for all of those people in a large area of downtown, and the businesses have been added now. Mm-hmm. So a significant amount as a, you know, difficult to assess their damages. People they're out going to work, be differently. people out income. What's been no. 22 days that that mall's been closed? So all of that uh, expense is recoverable and it can be all recovered from a small number of people or all the people or however. And I can tell you right now, you will never get those people to agree to what their, their apportioned liability will be. Uh, and, you know, they could come after your house if you donated you know where there $100 is, to them. You know where there is kind of a driving law precedent for suing people who participate in some type of an unlawful assembly and cause damage to other people where each one has partial liability. I know of one. It was the Vancouver Stanley Cup riots where there was the lawsuit over the car. Now, I don't know what happened with those, um, but we I was involved in defending people in those in the civil lawsuits. And, um, and we resolved to settle for one of the vehicles, and it was one of these circumstances where everybody who had a hand on it, any one individual who had deeper pockets could be the one that they collected from, 
or they could try and collect from half of them. Of course, they were still limited in the amount because you can't collect more than. Uh, but um, the uh, people who were settling it out, uh, you know, were not happy, and some people wouldn't agree um, to settle it out. And if you couldn't get everybody to settle it out for the total amount, then it was back to litigation, which was going to cost them more. So, for example, if they were looking for $1,000 for, if some sort of proposal had been made that 10 people pay $1,000, but there's another 10 people who hadn't paid a dime, um, you know, you could sue those other people in some sort of settlement. But if, if you couldn't get an agreement, then you were back to them being able to come after you individually for the whole $10,000 if you had it. Mm-hmm. And so that's the um, that's the thing that people should be really really frightened about right now because there's all those people who donated money and a lot of them like I get it uh, you know you're a person who just really for whatever reason was opposed to vaccination you spent too much time on Facebook or whatever you persuaded yourself that and you persuaded yourself that this was some sort of overreach because of however your thinking process works. And you could be a other, a, you know, an otherwise great person and a lovely, uh, you know, nice person who's responsible in your community. And you may have felt that this was the responsible thing to do, uh, but here you are. You've contributed to something that was unlawful, and now they're coming after your house or your business. Gosh, sure sucks. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Um, it was upsetting for me that the first thing that was actually going to hold anybody responsible was a lawsuit with an injunction. (laughs) I mean, it's surprising to me that there was one, one person, one woman is really the hero of the action, right? The one woman who sought the injunction and her team of lawyers, Um, you know, she did more in the first three, three weeks of this thing than the government did. Well, and it's interesting. So the government has been somewhat paralyzed, and this brings me to a different thing. Now, we always talk about, you know, if you're driving impaired, you're driving, it's like a weapon. It's like you might as well be shooting a gun down the street. You're driving a big weapon. And you know what? A car is a weapon, and a vehicle can be used as a weapon. And in this case, a vehicle is being used basically for a a quasi-military purpose. And these people have been exploiting the fact that their trucks and in coots, their tractors, um, are large vehicles that are difficult to move to expand upon their capacity to, to damage in the course of their protest. Um, you know, most of the time, look at the, at the uh, uh, protests, uh, environmental protests, nobody's driving their car and blocking a road, right? They're always, you know, it's, it's humans with signs. The, uh, the, the, cycling protests that we talked about in Vancouver, the critical mass was people on bicycles. Mm-hmm. Um, the counter-protests in Vancouver were people on bicycles. I think we're going to see legislation coming out of this pretty clearly that is going to, in some way or another, prohibit you with criminal consequences for using uh, a vehicle of certain sorts for the purpose of a protest like this. Well, I will say that, you know, unfortunately... Since the liberals took power again, they um, they have used legislation in knee jerk ways. We saw C forty six, C fifty one, 
um, there was another knee-jerk piece of legislation very recently. All governments do that. I don't All like governments it. do that. Every government. Look at Jason Kenney's government. Every government does that. The BC government's done it too. Every government does knee-jerk. They're trying to deal with uh, with things that are arising or things that they think are are the pressing thing of the day. And we're going to see some sort of, of, of well, I mean, first of all, I, I, I think we can see it from the courts are going to do it too. But I think we are going to see some sort of legislation that restricts this. The responsibility of people who drive these trucks is high. And we recognize that they have a higher responsibility as professional drivers, those who are professional drivers. And a lot of those people are probably almost never drive a truck and manage to get a truck. Um, but the, because uh, they, otherwise they would have been out there working, right, if they were professional drivers. But the point is, we have this higher expectation of professional drivers. And I think a reasonable expectation is they're not going to use their vehicle as a weapon. Right. Um, and I, you know, I think it's perfectly well within the, the realm of, we now know, you know, we didn't know that anybody would ever think of flying airplanes into towers, right? And then terrorists did it and we didn't have to legislate against flying airplanes into towers, but we did have to. Well, because it was we, already illegal. I know, but we did Just have like to. Just protesting outside a hospital. I know, but we did have to up security to keep it from happening again. Uh, and this is something that, you know, terrorists are, by virtue of the fact that they're, they, they're committing these, these acts, come up with new and different ways of doing it. Um, and there's, of course, there's protests, and then there's the, you know, you... Uh, you're, you're a protester at one end, I suppose, and then you move on to being a terrorist at the other end. And I think this is full on terrorism in my view, but these people are using their trucks for what is terrorism, to terrorize the community. Yes. Well, then we don't need new legislation because we have existing legislation. We have mischief laws. We have terrorism laws. We have terrorist financing laws and FinTrack. We have laws to deal with all of this. Like, this has been the biggest complaint this entire time from criminal lawyers looking at the situation. That nobody was enforcing the law. Which brings me to the next thing that I want to discuss. Because, the you know, Justin Trudeau came out and said, we're invoking the Emergencies Act. And, of course, they can't just, like, flip a switch and use the Emergencies Act. There still has to be a debate. There has to be a review after well, a certain they, number they, of days. They can start it before they... Yes. Yeah. But they have, I think it's five or seven days. There has to be, there has to be a debate and a vote. Um, and that was supposed to happen today. Well, they voted. No, they didn't. I thought the NDP voted with them. What? Pretty sure the when? NDP voted with them last night. No, it was supposed to happen today. Hmm. And it didn't get. it didn't occur because... The law enforcement actions are being taken, finally, and they determined that it was too unsafe to sit for Parliament. For Parliament. And a bunch of people, of course, the Conservatives were going, you know, this is ridiculous because they invoked the Emergencies Act and now they're suspending the debate by saying that they can't do this and they could have the, the debate on Zoom. Agreed. The Conservatives agreed. Yeah, yeah. The Conservatives agreed that it was unsafe. Candace Bergen doesn't agree. No, I thought she agreed. Uh, I thought anyway, it was people, uh, agreed. people are claiming that it's you know that this is just political stunting. Meanwhile, you is. can't hold the debate over Zoom when you can't get anyone in the building because it's too unsafe. Yeah, and that was the parliamentary security has asked them not to do it. So I think it's only reasonable to comply with parliamentary security officials. Um, 
But yeah, the uh, the Emergencies Act, all of the law existed, and it would have appeared to have been something that should have been dealt with at a municipal level first, a provincial level second, mm -hmm. and that the federal government should not have gotten involved. Mm -hmm. Then it became a multi-province thing. Mm -hmm. It was in Manitoba, British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario, um, and I think there was something in Saskatchewan, but who cares? Uh, and <laughs> so at that point, you know, the Provincial governments clearly weren't dealing with it. In Alberta, it was like absolutely abundantly clear that legislation existed to make it unlawful, and the Alberta government well, was not guns. acting on it. And they, yeah, and they had a bunch of guns and ammunition <laughs> and so forth. And they firearms. knew that, and they knew that, right? Because there was people we find out since who were who were in there undercover, um, like a private security company was in there undercover. So and reporting back to the RCMP. So the um, that was all well known. Uh, but you know the the Provincial premiers, Kenny, certainly, uh, 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 Moe in, in uh, Saskatchewan and, and in Ontario, all seem to be motivated to embarrass the federal government. Certainly Jason Kenny. I don't know about, I don't know about Ford. Um, I mean, he's certainly, he's not been as critical of, of the federal government as, as Jason Kenny can't say anything nice. Um, but, uh, so it ends up being a federal thing. And it's unfortunate that it ended up being a federal thing. And of course, then the federal government invokes the Emergencies Act, and it's only going to be in effect for 30 days. But um, the uh, it, it is unfortunate that it was just merely used as a political football by the conservative premiers. Mm -hmm. You know, if they want to start claiming that this is an issue of politics. The conservative premiers are the ones who, who, who basically appeased the anti-vaxxers all along facilitated the suspicion of vaccine Walk in their back discussions. Walked back all the restrictions. Walked back all the restrictions in the face of a, a, a terrorist threat. Uh, succumbed to the terrorists. You know, there's nothing nothing like a strong government that just gives in to terrorists. Um, and then left it to be the federal government's responsibility. So here we are. The federal government has to deal well, with it. Well, now, though, look at the probably only province now with an NDP premier. Maybe Yukon. Um... Do you kind of have a premier? They, they, they have a... They have a confusing they have a, government. Yeah. Um, look at the only province that I know of with an NDP premier, British Columbia. Yes. What happened when they blockaded down at Pacific Crossing? They gave them a couple hours to hoot and holler and honk their horns, and then the police moved in, and were like, okay, time to pack up and go home. And they packed them up, and they went home. Well, they... they, they in BC, I will tell you, it's a, it's an unfortunate <laughs> thing. It's a thing. Good. <laughs> it's a it's a thing that that uh, people maybe maybe now we appreciate it. Uh, they know how to handle terrorists, and uh, they know how to handle sorry Whoa. not terrorists. Whoa. They know how to handle. Sorry, that was you yeah. know where I was going. I know. Uh, people who are conducting in some sort of blockade. Yeah. Um, so if there is any protest group that's blocking something. They go in there, they pick them up, they carry them away, they pick them up, they carry them away, they arrest them, they carry them away, they warn them, they tell them, they carry them away. They never even charge them unless they like actually have to go to the effort of getting an injunction and enforcing it, and then people continue to defy the injunction. So many warnings. Like even, you know, even the, the like, all the environmental blockades where they go and they get the injunction. It's usually if they violated the injunction and they get arrested and then they get released and, then and they're they not going to do anything, but yeah. they go back and that's when they actually start to do something in BC. But they know how to deal with it. Yep. Um, 
unlike uh, unlike apparently Ottawa, which is surprising. But I'll tell you, Ottawa will now know how to deal with it because I saw on Twitter that the uh, OPP and the Ottawa police now have their own tow trucks. At least they're painted up in their colors. So that may have been a slight bit of the delay because, of course, these these uh, people in the blockade have claimed that the tow truck companies were behind them, and that's half the reason that, that uh, I mean, basically Bullshit, what they did... the tow truck companies, you know how big the bill is to tow a semi? Sure, well, think about this, okay? The, these people are basically the, the Wexiters. They're the uh, the same people who were behind the, um, the Yellow Vest protests, the same racists behind those protests, have now co-opted the the um, people who believe in essential oils and not in vaccines, uh, and come together somehow and persuaded themselves that that uh, because they connected trucks, um, essential oil people, and Wexiters together, that the the tow truck companies would be behind them. Uh, you know, tow truck companies may not have been enthusiastic about showing up there and and towing those vehicles in light of potential retaliation from. Uh, what is now a uh, group of terrorists, uh, but they love their police contracts. Mm-hmm. And if you followed, if you followed what's going on with tow trucks in Toronto, they're very aggressive to get that work, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, including um, uh, attacking each other. So uh, I think probably those tow trucks that are painted up now uh, in OPP and uh, police colors that are showing up there. Got a paint job this week, brand new paint jobs, knowing that this was going to happen. Yep. Well, be interesting to see how this all unfolds. But, Paul, there is one more thing that arises from these protests that I think we need to talk about that's related to the Driving Law podcast. And that is? The Ridiculous Driver of the Week. Ridiculous Driver of the Week. The Ridiculous Driver of the Week this week is none other than Freedom Convoy protest organizer, white supremacist, Pat King. Now, there's a long list of reasons why Pat King would be on this list as the Ridiculous Driver of the Week. It could be his beautiful arrest video in the driver's seat of his car lighting up a cigarette. How many clients have you had that have been tackled or handcuffed or forced to the ground or just had going, a cigarette just going to light a cigarette punched out it, of their face yeah. for lighting a cigarette while they were about to be arrested? A few. A, a number. A number. Yeah. Probably probably at least fifteen over yeah. the course of my career. Yeah. Um, so that might be one of them. But that's not it. Could it be that Pat King compared the actions of the truckers in the face of the, you know, police, uh, uh, the police lines that are showing up to Tiananmen Square, where the government murdered people, disappeared them? Well, I think Stockwell, they made that comparison He as did well, too, so. but it was Pat King who... <laughs> yeah. Well, they're all together. Could, could it be that? Nope. It is Pat King's take on international law. For truckers. Yeah. In the convoy. Yeah. Apparently, if you are still there and have been given notice of the fact that you're going to be arrested and all of that. And if you rely on Pat King's legal advice. And if you rely on Pat King's legal advice. uh, If you need to leave and you don't want to be arrested, 
All you have to do is take off your t-shirt or your underwear and wave it like a white flag. Because in international law, if you're waving a white flag and leaving... According you, to Pat King. You cannot be arrested. So that's what he's telling these many people. <laughs> you know, and it's such a naive group. They go out there and they start interviewing these people. And some of them clearly have psychological problems. Some of them just have reasoning problems. Um, and here they are relying on, on these people. Um, which is uh, fascinating because of the uh, so often um, those who those who wanted to follow the science were called sheep uh, and sheeple. But uh, you've got these people who are intellectually they're probably more linked to sheep, and then you've got um, you've got Pat King as the one who's giving them advice. Anyway, so uh, that's not good legal advice. It's not a driving law specific issue, but uh, yeah, don't uh, don't pull off your underwear uh, if you're about to be arrested. Probably not a good thing because there's a reasonable chance at that point you will be arrested for a different offense. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a violation of the Geneva Convention after 22 days of the same underwear. So this is our second podcast, third podcast, I guess Roy and I had a podcast. It's a two and a half. Yeah, well, so let's hope this is the last podcast where we have to deal with it while it's actively underway, and we're just dealing with the residue as it goes through the courts over the next few years mm -hmm. uh, here on the Driving Law Podcast, but this is the exciting day, and uh, I sure hope they have it cleaned up for the uh, sake of the poor people in Ottawa who have had to live through this. What a miserable thing to have these fringe elements show up and uh, take over your city and and so damage your day-to-day -day life. And I just keep thinking about the kids, not just the kids who are being used as human shields right now but as they try and clear that up. The children. Now, imagine you're a kid living in one of those neighborhoods where you've had the honking first and then you've had these assholes out on your street um, just destroying your life, like it's it's upsetting for children, and they are going to be suffering from su for some time. And so many of these assholes out there on the street, their justification is, "Oh, think of the mental health of the kids with the having to wear masks." My kids have been wearing masks to school, and they think it's great. My kids have been fine during COVID. There's been no mental health problems of any significance. Yeah, sure, no big birthday parties fucking best thing in my life that I didn't have to arrange or take children to birthday parties with uh, with 40 other kids. But um, the uh, psychological problems that are likely to arise for children are much more likely to arise when you've taken your children to a protest, made them sleep and live in a truck for three weeks, and then use them as a fucking human shield. That's the end of my rant. And that's the end of our podcast. So if you have a driving law related issue, but like not a protest charge, because we're not going to do uh, all the way to Ottawa for a mischief charge, give us a call at 604-685-8889 or find us online at VancouverCriminalLaw.com and tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law.